The shithead son of a prominent Russian gangster breaks into a man's house, kills his dog, and steals his car. What at first appears to be nothing more than an impulsive crime turns into the bane of the entire criminal underground when the Russian gangster learns who the victim was. Now the world's most feared assassin has come out of retirement and hungers for vengeance in the 2014 surprise action hit John Wick. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Caleb Shea. And this is Filmgasm. Welcome to the Filmgasm Podcast. In honor of the recent release of the franchise's fourth installment and in memory of character actor Lance Reddick, we felt it was finally time to discuss a modern action classic, the original John Wick, the film that revitalized Keanu Reeves' career and put stuntmen behind the camera, resulting in a realistic, well-paced, and beautifully shot action franchise with no weak links. Four epic films, which we will rank at the end of the episode. You never see that, especially in an action franchise. It's always one. There's always like a you know, Too Fast, Too Furious, or uh, Lethal Weapon 3. There's always something. But in this case, you got four flawless movies. Yeah, it doesn't happen a lot. Even Reeves' other big movie series, The Matrix, I only like the first movie. After that, the sequels can go suck it. They all got just, like, progressively worse, especially, oh, the, oh that most recent one. Um but this is a rare case where, yeah, it's one of the rare franchises. I know we've talked about it before, but like those rare franchises that have like consistently good installments. Like, um, I know we talked about like Evil Dead. I'd, I'd argue, I'd, I'd argue, Scream could be put on that list. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of three, but I still don't hate it. Um, but yeah, John Wake is the one that I. It's in a very rare, very very rare group of like Evil Dead type where. I don't even really, it's hard for me to say what's the least favorite because I like every single one a lot. Um, and you don't, and, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but I mean, this is, you can say the fact that, like, you know, the, the first film came out of nowhere, almost went, I'm sure we'll get into it, so I don't want to spoil too much of your, of the development there, but, uh, you know, one little tidbit, um, you know, was that it was supposed to be at the time direct to video, so it would be a streaming release. And whatever happened, they decided theatrical, and like it, it became what is now this like action movie. Talking about that, for all intents and purposes, got its you know quote unquote final installment in the main franchise before they do all these spinoffs that they've announced, um, that are coming out. So like it, it's it, it's neat. This does not happen often. It's not a franchise we thought we were going to get, and yet it it has consistently. And even if they didn't have a plan for sequels with that first film, the how they pulled off without it seeing like they didn't is impressive. Um, the ward building, the action, the characters just kept getting better with each installment. And you don't see that when it's very clear that they only had a plan for the first film and not for sequels. And yet somehow it, with each one, it felt flawless and coherent and just seamless with what they were doing. Well, and it gets a little bit bigger each time. Like the world, we're not, we're, gradually introduced to the world of the high table this underground assassin hierarchy that kind of dictates everything in the world of these people and in the first movie it's just you know ex-russian gangster hitman goes back into the russian underground i love how you know 
looking back like with part four and just thinking like if that little fucker had killed that dog <laughs> the body count of the like the underground wouldn't be looking to replenish their ranks at this point because it really is just you can trace it all back to that little asshole if john wick had just gone to a different gas station <laughs> he, yeah he right <laughs> no this would have ever happened he would have been fine and they wouldn't have had to feel the Baba Yaga coming out of retirement and hunting them all down. Tarasov family would be prominent in New York. Santino, I'm sure, would be dueling for his sister's seat at the table. Like, so many buildings wouldn't be gone, like, you know, destroyed, built Scott, like you know, hundreds of heads wouldn't have exploded. Scott Adkins in a, in a fat suit would have still been in charge of the fuck he was in charge of. That was so strange. I can't believe they managed to pull that off. And so have him be able to do his moves. That was impressive. Doing those 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 in a fat suit. Like I mean, it was incredibly unrealistic because look, there's no like 500 pound dude who can do that. But, no, but it was awesome to watch. Yeah. Especially with that damn accent he had going on, Mr. Vic. <laughs> so strange. Uh, but it started here with a film that was insanely close to being canceled outright. Like so close we're gonna get into that it was it's like this movie almost didn't happen and i'm so glad it did uh but first do you remember the first time you saw john wick like what you felt when you first saw this movie yeah i didn't want to watch the fucking movie straight up (laughs) look i had just watched 47 ronin Kanye reeves like we talked about at the time of his career wasn't exactly doing producing a lot of hits I have nothing against the man. I've never had anything against Kanye Reeves. You know, like many people, I love the guy. He's, you know, nice guy, all that good stuff. But movies-wise, I was like, he's not coming out with a lot of stuff I really enjoy. And I remember you texting me. You're like, dude, you got to check out that John Wick movie. And I was like, that sounded, no. And you, I know you were really, you were like, you got to check it out. I was like, all right, whatever. My mother, before they, my family went down the hole, they went down recently, or recently by a couple of years not going against that on the podcast but back then had a humongous i mean the hugest crush on that man and she was digging the long hair beard look that he was doing in his older age so she she came to me shortly after i got the text about you know when you saw it and she's like hey there's that new county reason that looks pretty good john wake and i was like oh my fucking god i was like she's like i'll, I'll pay for it and I was like, okay, sure. You know what? I'm not paying for it, but it's going to probably be a shit fest. Let's go. And I, I, I'm telling you, I had like zero faith in this movie. When you go watch it, theaters barely packed, uh, or barely even people on it. And man, by the end of that movie, and it's playing, by the end of the movie, I, remember, I turned and I was like, that was awesome. I'm like, oh my God. I was like, we just watched like a, we talked about the whole ride home. My, I was telling my fucking dad about the movie. I'm like, Dad, you got to watch this fucking movie. Telling my siblings about it. Like, we ended up like buying it as soon as it came out and watched it. I bought my own copy because I'm like, oh, I want my own copy. And like, I have seen the film so many times. I champion this film now. I am constantly being like, oh, you haven't seen John Wick? All right, you got sit down and watch John Wick. Like, it is, Um, I got Josh because Josh hadn't seen it by the time we became friends. I was like, dude, you have to watch this. Glad I did because sure enough, he got so into it that we ended up watching the newest one opening uh night this past Thursday. Um 
So that, yeah, I, I went in with the lowest expectations when this film first came out because of just where Kanye Reeves was at in his career at that point and walked away the hugest fan and just what this film has done for American action cinema in particular, because I do think American action cinema was severely fucking lacking in quality. Um, what this did to reinvigorate it and show you what we could, what you can pull off if you just gave a shit and actually kind of stop being so what we like to be ignorant of other cultures and actually look at what other countries are doing with their action, like the raid. And, you know, obviously they put a lot of the greats in these films with Donnie Yen and Tony Jaw and um uh, the, the, the man who played Scorpion and the recent Mortal Kombat's in the, in the new movie. Um, and, uh, and having the raid guys be in the third one, like they're taking these guys that are like huge, huge hits in our countries and putting them in this and showing off their influences. And it's just, yeah, I, I'm so glad I, I went ahead and gave the first film a shot because I fucking love that movie and I love this series now. I love Tony Ja too, but he he did not actually make make it into the John Wick franchise. He didn't make it. I I know, I know. I'm saying influence. I know Tony Ja was an influence. I was always hoping he'd pop up in one, but he would fit there perfectly. He really would. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna try him and this in a fucking Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> yeah, like. I believe Keanu Reeves might be able to kick his ass. I don't believe Paul Walker could have in, in the slightest. Uh, no. Yeah, I remember this movie. I saw a tr- like a, a TV you know trailer for it, which did not do the movie justice. They tried to brand it as like a new Taken. And I was like, eh, I got nothing going on. Eh, all right, let's go. So my mom and I went and saw John Wick, and we were both just kind of like, you know, we're bored on a Saturday. We, you know, let's go to the movies. And we were just... Like within five minutes, we were hooked. Just the concept, the idea of, you know, this guy lost everything, but he got out and now he's been dragged back in. And the idea of it being not like, you know, they didn't kill his family, like they killed his dog. Like it was such a, it was, it was new, it was different. And just the buildup of this guy of like, you know, the Russian mob is afraid of him. Like, who is this guy? What did he do? What are those gold coins? Holy shit. Like it really pulls you in so quickly and keeps you there. And I, I, I couldn't look away. I think I blinked like through the like the whole damn movie. I was just like, "Holy shit, this is amazing!" Dude, the, the first action scene, I'm just going, "What the fuck?" Yeah, just oh, love the whole idea of the Continental, this like assassin hotel where no one is allowed to kill anybody. It's like neutral space. The whole you know underground currency with the coins, the cleaner being the warriors come out and play a guy. Like I just, there's so many little things about this world that yeah. we get to see the first time in this one that just keep one, thinking it's great one thing i want to talk about you brought up is the the how they talk about who is this guy this movie to this day when it comes to action has the best i'm not saying one of i'm saying the best damn it the best character introduction hype <laughs> in any action film come at me on anyone who wants to challenge me on that this one has the best from how they react when they find out John Wick's back in the game and what he did is some of the most flawless form of character building I've ever witnessed in a film. How other people who aren't afraid of him are like, oh, John Wick, like they're impressed to see him back. Like it, it is fucking flawless. I, dude, so many scenes of like, you know, when, you know, Legrazamo gets the phone call and he's like, I heard you struck my son. And without even being remotely scared, he goes, well, sir, he's, Killed John Wick's dog and stole his car. And I guess, oh, 
and he hangs up and you're like who the fuck are, is this guy we are going to talk about all of those scenes for sure later because they are going to feature heavily in my awards but you are 100 right the character introduction and the character building of john wick is the greatest like introduction of an action hero well, action lead i'm not going to say hero <laughs> action lead is john wick's a monster He's just better than the rest of these monsters. <laughs> He's got a code. But yes. uh, yeah, it's brilliant. You know, just descending the stairs as Vigo's telling the story of how he knew John Wick. Oh. The sledgehammer hitting the concrete with every enunciation of Vigo's words. Yosef and the car insurance guy just looking at, as, you know, scared as hell. And yeah. you're just like, what has happened here? <laughs> yes. Oh, dude, that... When all in the lines, the fucking nobody, the fucking nobody is John Wick. You're like, what the fuck? Who, who is this guy? When Yosef's like, I'm gonna make this right, and Vigo holds him like, son, you're gonna die. Like, yeah. Just holding him like, you ruined us, you destroyed our family. Oh yeah, when he's like, there is nowhere you can hide. He will find you. And he's like, he's not the Baba, y- the boy. No, he's this guy you send to kill the fucking boogeyman. I'm like dude yeah this is i love the whole franchise this movie though is special like this first one is so it's it's lean and mean it's like an hour 40 it's like super tells you gives you everything you need there's no fat and it's so rewatchable it's like as its own entity i mean it's great you know connected to the franchise but you could just watch this one and have a totally complete fun story yeah oh yeah God, it's so God. I'm just thinking about it now, like those scenes. I was I was just quoting it as I was watching it. Um I can't I, I want to watch it again right now. <laughs> yeah, it's I can't uh a, a lady I've been talking to, she I was texting her while I was watching it, and she was like, Oh, I haven't seen that. I was like, Do you like action movies and kind of She's like, Yes, I'm like, Well, I know what I'm doing one day then. <laughs> uh but yeah, and I like when um when uh in that scene his son's like i can fix this dad i can do this and he just looks at he goes have you not been listening to a fucking word i've been saying it's like yeah it's <laughs> nothing it's you can do it's so good yeah because yeah the new blood's gonna be like no he's just some asshole you know some old guy with a with a dog like what but all the old blood is like yeah you you're you're a dead man walking you ruined you destroyed the russian mob with this act you did it like we have no power anymore we're gonna die all of us <laughs> and you did it because you wanted a car. Yeah. Like, God. I oh I love it. When he calls him, he's like, John, let's be civil. And when he hang I love when he hangs up on him and fucking mayhem, as I like to call him, because of the fucking commercials. Uh, he's like, What'd he say? Enough. Just I love the, you know, he picks up the phone. He lets Vigo, you know, he, he he waits until Vigo begs and then he hangs up. You know, let us not yes. resort to our baser instincts. Handle this like civilized men. Click. <laughs> oh, nope. no mulligans. <laughs> you unleash the beast and he is after you now. The scariest motherfucker in the room is the guy who doesn't say a word. Yeah. He just, you know, in his eyes what he's going to do. And this movie, 
Like there, John does not have a lot of dialogue in this movie. It's all actions. It's all the way he presents himself, the way people react to him. And it always works. Yeah. I would say he has the most dialogue in this film compared to this, the sequels. Um, but I also think I always view the sequels as him becoming more of John Wick. Like each sequel is becoming more and more of like the guy that's been built up, um, which is why he, to me, he doesn't have as much dialogue as the film. The film's progressed because he is getting that focus and, you know, what we've been talking about for so long. Um, but I'll get more into it. I got a lot to say about Keanu Reeves and like, in this case, me defending a lot of his acting choices and why I think he's actually phenomenal in all four fucking films. Yeah. 100 percent uh but first my question to you so of everybody i know i feel like you have more in like emotional investment in this franchise than anybody i know so i feel like you've seen these have... hmm? yes i was about to say are you saying this because i have a dog <laughs> <laughs> well, i guess that might be it um but you know you've seen these a lot so you you're familiar with all of these films so i'm curious what do you think is the best stunt that they pulled off in this franchise. Oh, you know what? This is actually a lot easier than I would think it would be. It's because we saw the new one. <laughs> it's a toss up in the newest one between two specific scenes. And it's because I want to know how they filmed it. The top down view with the dragon's breath oh, rounds. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, uh, in the roundabout in Paris with the cars, are some of the most impressive things I've seen this franchise pull off in a, in a film series has nothing but impressive uh, scenes. Um, those are the ones that are my personal favorites as it stands. Like, cause I, I literally was in the theory going, how the fuck they do that. And the way they pull the camera back on that one scene, it just keeps going up and you're like, what the fuck? Um, outside of the new one to kind of throw some love with the other ones, the entire opening to John wick three has always been a favorite fucking franchise moment for me. With the with the horses and like him running through the city and then the library, like the constant just go 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 goness of three three's opening always fucking gets me um gets me going when I when I put that one on. Good yeah, good shouts. That dragon's breath, the whole idea of that was so fucking cool. <laughs> and just a, a gun that basically like shoots like meteors at people. Like that was fucking cool. Um and yeah, the roundabout sequence was was amazing uh i've always been very partial to the opening of two where he goes to get his car back and oh yeah and peter uh, stormer fucking like has a little guest appearance the one person in the whole franchise who was smart enough to not fuck with this guy (laughs) he just knew like no i will die like my brother and my nephew and everybody else who's gone up against him i'm gonna sit here quietly just let him have it back. Yeah, just give it back. I love like my some of my favorite bits in the whole franchise are him just sitting there, terrified out of his mind, hearing people die <laughs> down on the floor, and just like <laughs> not moving a muscle. But uh, I don't. I don't think people talk about the comedy enough. Not to take away like what you're about talking about. No one talks about yeah. the comedy enough in these films. These films are actually super fucking comedic in a very interesting way. Well, you're seeing gangsters feared like Russian, Italian, like terrifying, you know, terrifying human beings shit their pants at the sight of this guy. Like, how is that not hilarious? It's really funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in that sequence, there's a certain stunt where 
John drives his car off the loading dock and it like drifts midair. I don't know how the fuck mm. they did that, but it's one of the coolest, most visually pleasing stunts I've ever seen. I that's yeah. my favorite. <laughs> now that's a good one. Um, uh, there's so it's so hard. So there's so many good ones. Um, part two, the whole subway stunt sequence when they're just shooting each other as they're trying to walk is so good. Um, fucking, and, and it was in, it was in three, I think, yeah, it was in part three. Chapter, yeah. Chapter three with the motorcycle stunt. Oh my God. With the, people the swords. On motorcycles and the swords. Like, oh my God. That was ambitious. And I, I can't believe they pulled it off. That was really cool. I really liked that. I love the whole siege on the continental in part three where business can now be concluded and are conducted and they're all wearing like, you know, layers of body armor and still not stopping him. <laughs> oh, dude. I love, I love again, the comedy, right? When like they first have like, yeah, the, the body armor and quick isn't getting any of them. He's like, God damn it. And he walks back and he's like, I need armor piercing rounds. And they just like fucking Lance Riggs just pulls them out like let's do it. I love when he walks in kind of pissed off, just grabs a shotgun off the wall, starts loading it up like not a word. <laughs> just, yeah, they all know exactly what's going on here. They know what needs to be done, and they're helping each other out. It's great. Oh yeah, it's so good. Yeah, this. Oh, and then, I mean, and look, I don't want to. I don't want not put any love to the first film. I know we haven't said it, you know, because obviously, just by comparison, as this film, as the series yeah. got bigger and badder, the sequences, the stunts got more and more top. So obviously, a lot of the sequel stunts outshine the originals. With that said. The original has a lot of good uh, stunts too. The entire club sequence is a fuck. It's fucking amazing in this first film. Yeah, the red circle uh, fight is is fantastic. But yeah, you know when you when you get a budget like I mean the budget for the most recent one is a hundred million bucks compared to the twenty million dollar budget the first one had. So yeah, they're gonna get to use a lot more locations, a lot more stunt people, a lot more crazy shit, and that's great. But considering what this film was able to pull off with you know a modest budget props uh yeah yeah, yeah like I, our I first introduction to john wick as a assassin when this the the hitmen are storming his house and he's just like boop bop beep bop just like picking them off with zero effort and you're just like okay this is why they are they're all scared of him yeah this guy's really good one of my favorite not it wasn't a stunt it's a little character moment my one of my favorite character moments with john wick um with the character not just the movie title but with the character um it's like the scene in the in the red circle when he gets to the basement and he has that one guy fucking his hand like face palm down he's just i fucking <laughs> to death the the son that killed his dog and just shoots the guy in the head as he's looking at him like you're next motherfucker <laughs> yeah it was a straight up mind fuck it was not like he could have killed yosef easily right there but everything yosef knows has to die first <laughs> and then yosef dies like jesus man you don't fuck with the boogeyman. You, you don't. <laughs> you don't. It's it's always been a moment that I just get a little like. Uh, now it's a smoke. I've seen the film so many times, but I was I'm like, ha! every time like he fucking he's fucking with them. But yeah, dude, it. This is a series that's it's so fucking hard to pick. It's just a stunt yeah. or even a sequence because it's just they have constantly found ways to fucking outdo themselves. Um, the Halle Berry sequence oh. in part in part three is so good. That was beyond impressive. The trained attack dogs, like how that how they made that work was so great. My God. 
God, yeah. yeah. Oh, like when he's having to escape the the um after that one, the lady he's supposed to gets you know told to kill in part two, um, but then he has to like escape because Common mm-hmm. finds out what he did, and they're in the sewers and he's shooting the guys trying to get out. Like that's such a great sequence. Like this this franchise is filled with just so many tremendous sequences throughout all four films. I found out something new about the first one that I never thought about. The scene where John goes to the red circle and he runs into one of his, like a guy he used to know who lost some weight and he tells him, you can go. Well, apparently he's talking in code to the guy. He's asking him how many people are in there. So when the guy says, oh, I lost 60 pounds, he's saying there's 60 people in there. And that's why John lets him go because he was honest. He told him what he needed to know. And he's like, I got no beef with you. Take off. I never knew that. Yeah. How fucking cool is that? That is neat. I knew I it wasn't not when I watched it, but a couple like I would say maybe like a couple weeks after I watched it. Someone pointed out that when um you know Jimmy the cop takes off his hat, that's his way of saying I'm off duty. I'm not <laughs> going now. Like it's just like not of like I'm off duty. I'm I didn't see anything. I'm out of here. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah. pretty good. Jimmy the cop. I love him because he's just you know he knows that a ex. Russian hitman is living in the neighborhood and could at any moment start some shit. <laughs> He's just like, I'm not going to be the guy to put the cuffs on. It's, it's, yeah. not, gonna be. it's not me. Nope. <laughs> no, I, I love that. It's established that he does know, like, yeah, he knows Sean's past because he's even, even John goes, How's it going? And Jimmy's was like, Okay, so they have a rapport. So he probably is, you know, he knows about John's past. He's the only cop we ever see in this franchise. <laughs> yes. I do like that. You uh, you working again, John? Nah, just sorting some stuff out. Well, All right, I'll leave you be. Yeah, I don't. There's I don't bodies think I really... everywhere. Yeah, he's all bruised up in the face. That's another thing I like about um, real quick about two other things I want to point out really about this franchise. I know this kind of deviate from the question, but I can't help myself with this at all. I fucking god, I love this fucking series so much. Um. Oh fuck. Okay, so the first one was a uh, the cinematography. I love no one talks about enough how great the cinematography is in all four movies. This is a case where again, talking about that, you know, snubs at the Oscars. Why has none of these none of these films ever been nominated at all? Like the cinematography, especially in, if you haven't seen the fourth one yet, holy shit, some of the shots. Cinematography and I'd argue production design as well. The set pieces in this in this franchise are amazing. From like the desert to you know European ruins to the streets of Paris to New York nightclubs, it's all very distinct and feels like part of the same world. And that's impressive work. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. The, so shout out to the. To the fellow, all the you know fellows. I don't know if they've had the same cinematographer since the first one. Um, who have done these films? Because holy shit, even this original one on a twenty million dollar budget looks fantastic. Like the shots are fucking impressive. Yeah, um, I love the use of lighting, like the shadows and the colors. You know, the you know r- the red circle light of you know John as he's like you know in fucking berserker mode, just shooting people down. It's like you know he's seeing red. And the calming blue of like, you know, when he's creeping into the place, like that's very, that's very distinct. Yeah. 
Yeah, it yeah the, the technical aspects of this film, all these all the films are great with that and like how they how they're able to portray get the music working the way it does for a lot of scenes, all the action scenes is impressive. Um, another thing I wanted to point out, you know, and that I've always liked this amongst other like action films, is that and obviously this was a product of like eighties action cinema. It was very common. You don't see the main character get beat up unless yeah, yeah. it's the uh, you know the main guy. Like right, they have to then they have to have some kind of you know obstacle to compete you know complete their mission while over john wick is like yes we have all this build about how tough he is and how he is like to be feared but you also you're right and then they this feared guy is still human because you do see him get beat up quite a bit throughout the franchise he's just able to get back up and keep fucking going yeah he's he's unstoppable that's the thing like and there's so many people who like get him in a position where they could just execute him but then they start monologuing and it's like aren't you aware of all of this aren't you the guy who's been talking him up like and you have him in a chair handcuffed and you're not just gonna put a bullet in his head you're gonna like let your inept thugs take care of it while you wait outside yeah right it's like god damn it uh-huh. or even like you know scott adkins and i don't want to spoil anything but you know in the fourth one he even makes the comment with the why won't you just die <laughs> yeah but you know if obviously you know it's a movie so you gotta spend some disbelief but yeah. yeah, it's 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 awesome, and it is a good. You know, you got to understand how. Yeah, he is just trying harder than everybody else. Like that's pretty much. Like he's not. He's the greatest assassin on earth because he fucking tries. Yeah, clearly he, way harder than the other ones do. He studied. Um, apparently, like some of the ink on his back says he used to be a marine. Like he's had legitimate training in firearms and hand-to-hand combat and he's kind of a dirty fighter too he kicks a lot of dudes in the in the balls he's, he, does, I, <laughs> he takes the opening when he can get it look i'm just saying like in real life fight everything's fair game okay i don't i don't care everything's fair game in real life fight you might get kicked in the balls you just gotta roll with it all right life or death grudge matches are not boxing like it's you know you you kick what you can reach you punch what you can reach, and you hope you're the guy who gets up. Yeah, and he's done. He's done actually quite a bit painful bit of things. I think it was in the second or third one. The one guy where he like grabs his leg, he's trying to kick him, and then stabs him like square in the dick. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus, John. Well, in three, when he breaks the guy's neck with a goddamn book. <laughs> that a book, oh. a fucking book. Anything's a weapon. He's like the MacGyver of murder. It's awesome. Uh, that was, yeah, that, that, yeah, this is a franchise we gush over because it's just so fucking fun. Uh, so let's find out where this came from. Where did John Wick come from? This was the brainchild of writer Derek Kolstad, who wrote a spec script over the course of four days in 2012 or 2020, 2013, depending on who you ask. The script was called Scorn. And it focused on a hitman who's forced back into the world he left behind. He wrote John Wick in four days. <laughs> Meanwhile, it takes like fucking 10 people to write a Transformers film over like a period of like three years. Yeah. And, and it comes out mediocre. Yeah. Apparently he wrote one, two and three. He didn't write four, but he got a credit on uh, characters created by. Yeah. He, uh, I forget what happened. They can go do something else, and they got different writers to come in for chapter four. 
Couldn't tell. You couldn't tell it was in different hands. Like it, it was I know. a transition from three. Or four. I know. It's it's weird. It's like usually you can tell. Like obviously, it's kind of on my mind because if a new film came out, we did the podcast on. But like, you know, you watch Scream Three. It's very obvious. It's not Kevin Williams from writing that one. Yeah. Compared to the first two, obviously they've done a better job since then of making you feel that it's Kevin, you know, Williamson type of written film. But John Wick's one of the few where like you don't feel it at all. Like it feels like. It, watching the new one, it still felt like that. You know, Derek Costa was still the one that wrote it. Yeah, because I don't. Yeah, his the tone he created is very unique to this franchise. It works. Four days, I can't fucking believe that. So, Scorn was the original title of this movie, and uh, he envisioned an actor in his mid sixties to mid seventies. Clint Eastwood and Paul Newman were kind of the models of how he envisioned the character. I can I can kind of see it if you're talking like man with no name Clint Eastwood. Yeah, like I can see it. Yeah, Blondie retired for forty years, gets his dog killed, and goes back in and starts fucking people up. I yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, it's I, kind I, of unforgiven, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, his main focus was to explore the concept of the worst man in existence finding a normal life, then losing it, and how that would unfold. So, yeah, Unforgiven. Like, I mean, I, I love the movie, but from its original script, it does sound like you want to do a modern day Unforgiven. I mean, I mean, again, it's just I know that at the end of the day, I've talked about it before, and this is probably, I've used this movie as an example plenty of times. Nothing's original in Hollywood. You know what I mean? No matter how hard you try, even if you don't <laughs> watch films, nothing's original. The, the story well has run dry. It's been like that for probably over 50 goddamn years. Well, and in, in Hollywood, like you really can't get a project greenlit unless you can compare it to something that was successful. Exactly. Which is, which is fucked up, but you know. Yeah, but it's at that point, because of those two reasons, it's how do you add your touch to it, your flavor? And Derek Colstead, yeah, he may have obviously been very inspired by like, Eastwood films and stuff like that, but he added his own flavor to it to make this feel new and make this feel unique and original. Hence why it became the fucking franchise it is now. Yeah, I agree entirely. So while this was happening, producer Basil Iwanick was struggling to find projects for his fledgling new studio, Thunder Road Films. Uh, He wanted action films that could be produced on a low budget. And when he came across Scorn, he put in a bid for it. Uh, his bid was the lowest on the table because he couldn't afford that much. But Colstead's agent told him to take it since Thunder Road was ready to start production immediately. So this was, you know, a low budget, but there will be a movie made. You know, if you know Warner Brothers put in a bid and gave you like $10 million, they might just never make the movie. And Colstead wanted to make the movie. Yeah, so it's a safer bet. I mean, it's a safer bet because, you know, yeah, a big company takes it. They don't have to do it. We There's been plenty of stories of bigger companies sitting on films. Look at Paranormal Activity that came out in 2007 after it sat on Paramount's fucking shelf for, I think, over a decade. So, yeah. It, yeah, for those of you running, that should have come out a lot earlier than it did, but it came out when it did. Um, so why risk that? as opposed to the a guy who has a young fledging movie company and is hungry to get something made. So yeah. Why the fuck not? Yep, exactly. In April, 2013, the script found its way into the hands of Keanu Reeves. It was immediately connected with it, despite being about 10 to 15 years younger than the original age of the character. Uh, Reeves is already 50. <laughs> I know it's like, yeah, but they wanted the 70 year old. 
They wanted fucking Harrison Ford. Uh, Reeves was one of the few actors who, in Colstead's mind, totally understood the character of John Wick, who was actually named after Colstead's 88-year-old grandfather, John Wick, and his um, his grandmother's name is Helen. So he named John and Helen Wick after his grandparents. That's oddly kind of sweet. Yeah. There's a dude out there named John Wick, who's an 88-year-old retiree, and I wonder if he like goes to restaurants now and like presents his ID. They're like, "What? Your name's John Wick." <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> that's, that's my grandson. <laughs> um, so Keanu was in. He was like, "I want to do this. This looks cool." So he sent the script to stunt coordinators turned producers Chad Stahelski and David Leach, who had been Keanu Reeves' stunt coordinators on the first three Matrix films. And they had since founded the action design and stunt company 8711 Productions. Keanu had recommended them to choreograph the action sequences, but they loved the script so much, they decided to direct it personally. So uh, Leach directed the stunt stuff and uh, Stahelski directed the, the film itself. Yeah, this is where it gets really interesting. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to give the details. So I don't take anything away from this. This is where you realize a lot of this film is because of Keanu Reeves, believing yeah. in it so much. And again, it just kind of goes back to, you know, he, obviously, you know, Karen Reeves is considered one of the nicest actors around. He's apparently a lovely human being. And this just warms your heart even more to show that this is a man that really does truly care, is kind, and did everything in, in his own power. He made much like, you know, Maya Reynolds with the first Deadpool, you know, doing whatever he could to get that film made. So this, you know, this is, from what I, if I recall correctly, this is the beginning of what Karen Reeves did to ensure this film got made and released. Oh, big time. What the next step was uh, Colstad and Reeves spent uh, the next six drafts of the script rewriting the film to fit Keanu's style, adjusting the character's age to about 35, trimming dialogue to make the character more badass. You know, less is always more. So there were like the, for example, the scene where John goes to the uh, the church and burns Vigo's uh, stash of money and uh, blackmail shit. There's a whole speech with the priest that they cut and turned into just uh-huh when John like threatens him. <laughs> and it works so much better. Like we don't need any more than that. No, because you I mean what you're told about how they present his character. And again, I like I know I said earlier, you know, obviously as the film franchise went on, Connor's dialogue becomes less and less. But John Wick, even in this first one, is not a man of like a lot of words. He's a man. He's a man of few words, and he and he's not using complicated words. I don't mean that as an insult. He's a he's a man of few words that works. But it's even when he says uh huh or his the most famous thing. I I don't know how it hasn't been memed yet. Like whoa has, but yeah, that he says throughout the goddamn series. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it. It works. It gets your attention. Still somehow it. it it's a mixture of just like how can you sells these very simple lines. You, you know, you're like, okay, I understand what he's saying. Or, you know, anytime he sees, you know, Winston, Jonathan, Winston. Well, I just, you know, it, it implies so much history between characters. It, you don't need to hear, you know, how they met or what they've been through. Just in the exchange of names, you understand, okay, they've got history. Mm -hmm. And that's great. It, you know, it treats the audience with intelligence, and I appreciate. Yeah, it. and it, it works because like everyone else calls him John, but as soon as you hear Ian McShane say Jonathan, just that simple saying the whole name tells you okay they have a different sort of history. 
because he's the only one that's calling him by his entire name. And not only does it tell you that, it gives you insight into John, uh, Winston's character immediately. You're like, okay, they have history. This guy takes himself to be a much more sophisticated human being because he's calling him Jonathan as opposed to John. No. Exactly. And perhaps Keanu's biggest contribution to this film, it was his idea to change the title from Scorn to simply John Wick. It's a smart move. I, I, yeah, that's why I was. I'm like, it. It, it makes the come to me. It makes his comeback story with this so much true. Know that like he believed in this project highly, and and sat, and it wasn't like you know. I'm sure some people like, oh, this sounds like a hostile takeover. No, he sat with the two directors and the writer when it came to rewriting this movie. He sat with them and was like, okay, let's reconfigure this and make this into an even tighter thing, and collaborate with them to make what we have and it honestly to me just makes the comeback that he had since then so much better because he was clearly pouring his heart and soul into this movie yeah this was not a paycheck gig this was something keanu felt could be a legitimate vehicle for his career and he thought it was awesome and he wanted everybody involved he wanted the creators to have as much input as they you know they could they wanted and he wanted to be able to contribute his own ideas it's collaboration it's what hollywood should be like but it's not a, it doesn't always work like that no unfortunately not this is a unfortunately a, a rare story in hollywood yeah, most times you get like an edward norton who's like i want to be in a superhero movie that's not really a superhero movie it's like well then why do uh, you agree to play the hulk you dumb shit yeah god damn it <laughs> um they filmed in new york city which allowed for a lot of the principal actors to film their scenes and go home since a lot of them lived in new york like Ian McShane lived down the road, so he could just pop in, do his scenes, and then go home. Yeah. Oh, and also I mentioned, and also some fact that going with kind of use, you know, kindness, the fact that he remembered the two guys from The Matrix, that says a lot. Like, because when this came out, he was far removed from Matrix revolutions. Like, there was not talk about resurrection. It was like, okay, Matrix is done. And because it talked to spring spring back up till John Wick became a huge hit, just saying. And also when Bill and Ted three proved to be a hit as well. Um, yeah, let's go back to Keanu's other franchise. That's how it yeah, works. You know, hey, look, Bill and Ted three was actually really good. I'll say that right now. Um, but the fact that he remembered those two guys, it was like, hey, I really like working with them as my stunt coordinators. This is a film I think they'd be perfect for. Let me bring them on board. Like. Yeah, just fucking speaks highly of this guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, without their involvement, I don't know if this would have been as cool because they were the stunt dudes who made sure everything went off, you know, without a hitch and was well choreographed and well filmed. So, yeah, you put a stuntman in the director's chair, you're going to get some A-list stunts that look amazing. Yeah. Instead of the Michael Bay type of stunt scenes. Yeah, you're not going to have eight, like eight takes of, or, you know, eight cuts of Liam Neeson jumping a fence. God, I, I, I've watched that clip so many times just for laughs. It's so bad. It's so bad. <sighs> uh, so here's the depth of training Keanu Reeves did for just the first John Wick. He undertook four months of training, including several hours a day in the gym, strict diet, stretches, learning the choreography. He had some previous martial arts experiences, but the directors wanted to create a signature style of, for John Wick like a student of all martial arts. He had uh, Reeves trained in judo, jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, 
and Arnis. I don't know what that is, but I assume it's badass. He also took tactical gun courses with the Los Angeles SWAT and Navy SEALs. He also learned stunt driving skills, including drifting a car while aiming a gun. He didn't half-ass a second of this movie. <laughs> no, and what's crazy is he did that for all the sequels also. He could easily been like, okay, look, I don't know for the first one, I'm not doing it for the sequels, but he kept doing it. He would even release the videos of him doing the gun training for that. Um, and then even the little things like how he punches people, if you pay attention to John Wick films, he does not, he very rarely does a closed fist punch. He does an open hand punch because in reality, a closed fist punch is more likely to hurt, to actually fucking, to fuck up your hand. Whereas a, a open fist side punch, for lack of a better word, a chudo chop, for those who want to be goofy about it. Um, I love how hard you were trying not to say chudo chop. <laughs> I, I was like, fuck it. I'd fucking chudo chop, okay? <laughs> because right. in reality, we laugh because of, I think Austin Powers was one that kept fucking doing it. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, that actually does more damage. And that kind of reads talked about that because that one, it doesn't, you're less likely to hurt your hand in the process. And you're more likely to do a lot more damage to someone if you do it like that because the of your hand right there is extremely tough. I'll remember that next time I'm getting mugged. Judo chop. Yeah. The very least, they'll be like, "What the fuck was that?" And I'll be able to. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a little detail that Keanu Reeves I remember talked about with the films was that he never. You see it sometimes when he gets like his emotions get the better of him, but mostly it's open hand, not closed hand, because this shit will actually. Nice out of sin, you'll you'll actually bust up your hand in the process. He tends to punch more with his gun than anything else. He, you know, like and shoot. Yeah. Oh, I love when like he going on in here. Oh, dude, I love when he, like in the series he'll run out of ammo and he can't reload and he just flings his gun at people. <laughs> I crack up every time. There's one, I think it's in part three, when he like hurls a, a, an entire assault rifle at somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd do the same thing if I, you know, was a master assassin and had no more bullets. Yeah, right? Oh, dude, the fucking knife scene in three when he's just like flinging knives at people. Yeah. The, the close up on the, like in the, the guy's eye. Oh, oh, fucking Lucio Fulci moment in a John Wick film if there ever was one. <laughs> yeah, an antique like knife collection being hurled at gangsters. Fucking hell, this franchise is so cool. <laughs> dude, yeah. Oh, dude. And again, that's that. Why I, I told people, like, people are like, oh, these are cool, but the humor is actually like so apparent in these films. Like, when he's doing that knife thing, it's kind of funny because it's so the way the camera just holds on him just. Flinging one after the other at someone, or the fucking I, the you know I saw the new one. The theater was had a decent crowd, and um when he did the nunchuck to that one dude, you see in the trailer he just keeps nunchucking his face. Dude, the audience was losing it because it was just like Jesus Christ, he is going to town on that dude's face. <laughs> yeah, I love the comedic moments because it's so outrageous. You know, you can't take it too seriously because it, it is, you know. Logically, he would have been, he'd be dead by now. Somebody oh, would have got him. Somebody would have tagged him in the head at some point. Yes. So you got to just accept that, yeah, this is outrageous. This is a, a you know, parallel reality when apparent, where apparently bullets just tend to fly off of John Wick. Yeah. And there's Kevlar fucking suits. I refuse to believe that John Wick is the only assassin in the high table underground who knows how to fucking aim. Yes. That apparently everyone in the ward's an assassin. Everybody, that, everyone who's got a cell phone from like 2005. 
Yeah, and if to protect your head with those Kevlar suits, they just hold their fucking arm up and they duck behind it. Like they're fucking Dracula. Yeah. But yeah, it's I don't know how that would work. Probably not well. <laughs> but they're fun. They, uh, these movies know what they are. Yeah, exactly. And that's the key. They know exactly what they are. They're not trying to be anything but what they are. Exactly. Uh, so let's run through the supporting cast of this thing real quick. We got Ian McShane as Winston, the enigmatic manager of the Continental Hotel. It almost wasn't Ian McShane. It was Jason Isaacs for the longest time, but he had to drop out due to a scheduling conflict. So Ian McShane joined the cast at kind of the last minute. And I can't imagine anybody else playing Winston. Dude, I'm also, I mean, not that I'm sure he would have been good in the role himself, yeah. but he and McShane just brings such a, a certain amount of class and charisma to this role that's required. Like I said, like, you know, how he constantly, he never refers to him John, it's Jonathan. And the way he talks to people, you know, it's, he's very much like, he's always like a step ahead of everyone. You know, he knows what's going on. Well, the way I interpret Winston, and it's never really, it's, it's implied at certain points in the franchise. I feel like he started the high table and they forced him out. That's interesting. Okay. That's how I've always viewed it. Because like his, you know, reference number is one, 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 one. Like this is his world that he created and the table kicked his ass off the table, gave him the continental to shut him up. And he has been trying to get them back ever since. Yeah. Which is why he's so happy to see John just go off. He's like, yeah, yeah, do yeah. it. I will aid in this fight as much as I can. Go ahead. Go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun with it. I One of my favorite Winston moments is actually in part two when that fucking scumbag goes to the Continental to hide out knowing it. And John and dude, when John gets in there and Winston can see on John's face, oh shit, he's about to break the rule. And you can hear me like, Jonathan, Jonathan, let's calm down. And when he fucking shoots his ass and just Winston just looking at him like, Jonathan, what have you done? And I love Wick's response. Finished it and just puts the gun. One of my favorite ones. Cause like you see in that moment in his face of like, I like you. I don't want anything to happen. Like, don't, don't do it. Why are, you, why, why, you, why are you making me do this, John? Why are you making me do this? Yeah. I no love friends. Really- I love earlier when Santino walks in and is like, hey, I want his membership revoked. And Winston's like, why? He hasn't done anything against this establishment. He's like, well, as a member of the table, I demand. And Winston cuts him off like nothing. You demand nothing from me. This is oh. my domain. <laughs> don't, don't you try to step on me. Who the hell do you think you are? It's oh, mm. oh dude, it's so when good. Winston flexes. Goddamn, is it great? Oh, dude, his, the, when he flexed the new one to those with, with the duel, I was like, are you fucking go, Winston? You He's arrogant like, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you arrogant asshole. I'm almost spoiled, but I caught it when it happened. When it happened, I was like, uh-uh. Yeah. I just I, caught that. I, I fucking I, caught Me too. I was like, oh, you stupid shit. Uh, yep. Good plan. Good plan. Good plan. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Just consequences. Yeah. McShane kicks ass. We got Lance Reddick as uh, Sharon, the hotel's loyal concierge. He was awesome. Loved him. He uh, he tragically passed suddenly at 60 years old, uh, like a week ago, right before mm-hmm. the movie premiered. It was uh, kind of cast a dark shadow over the fourth film. But yeah. everyone, uh, I watched a lot of red carpet interviews. Everyone loved him. He was such a cool, warm presence. Keanu and Lawrence Fishburne especially burst into tears talking about him. 
And yeah. he was just a cool character actor. I really liked him before John Wick and just seeing him in that was cool. I loved him in Lost. He, you know, he did a Funny or Die video where he was like the manager of a toy store who took it way too oh, seriously. Josh was watching that one day. I caught some of it. It was really funny. Yeah, I watched that earlier. I was like, it's a stumbled onto it and thought this is funny, right? He was going to yeah. play Zeus in the Percy Jackson series on Disney+. Plus. I don't know if he filmed anything before his death. Yeah, he was a... He was also in a. I watched a clip the Eric Andre on Andre show where he actually freaked out Eric Andre and like slammed on the table. <laughs> I remember reading that like he's the one guy who like broke Eric Andre. Yeah, because when he breaks the table, then he also he comes out and like it looks like slave attire and was like just chanting a song. I was like, I'm watching like, dude, what the fuck is going on? It's like when when did this happen? Um. It's, it's um, actually funny, but the uh, the guy who played the villain in three, uh, the Iron Chef guy, whose name always is, I think Mark DeCascos, I want to say, mm-hmm. uh, he was talking about he was hanging out with Lance Reddick on the set of three and he started talking to him. And that's when he realized that Reddick's accent in the movie is not his real accent. <laughs> and it freaked him out. He's like, what? You're, you, that's not really your voice. Like, no, I'm from Baltimore. <laughs> He's, he's a he was a damn good actor. Yeah, I, I I had read somewhere that apparently on a, like on one of the films, it, they were filming stuff. It was Kanye Kanye's day off, like they weren't filming with him anything. But he came down anyway. It was I guess it was Reeves' birthday, and he came by with his girlfriend, and he went to go do something. His girlfriend walked over to Lance Reddick and said like, "Hey, just so you know, Kanye actually came here on his birthday because he really wanted to see you perform." Awesome. And yeah, Lance was like, Lance was like, are, are you serious? <laughs> He's like, she's like, yes. <laughs> and so yeah, so apparently like they, you know, fucking he liked watching him perform even on his days off. It was cool shit. Um, but yeah, Lance Reddick was awesome, man. Like, um, you know, he was also a very avid gamer. Um, so he was in um Destiny Two, and well, I think both the Destiny games. Apparently, Destiny Two fans had a very nice tribute when they were playing the game and, and the news of his passing. Um, but also I've been playing it. He is in the horizon series. Um, he's really good in that. And he, uh, the, it got, the show was quite, um, quite panned if you will, but he was in the resident evil show on Netflix as Albert Resker. And look, say what you were about show. He, I want someone try to tell me he was bad in that show. Cause he was the best part in that whole show. he, I'm going to go on because apparently no one fucking watched it anyway. He gets revealed. He's, you know, he plays Wesker, one of the oldest, longest running villains in the, in the games. And it gets revealed that he has clones of himself. So, and each clone is a different personality. So he has like one that is clearly like, looks like he's coming out of blade. He has one that acts like a child and Reddick sells every single fucking personality of this clone. It's great. Like it was fucking fantastic watching him just, Take out this character with that had to portray different personalities to you know differentiate between the clones. So he he was just he's he's always been a consistently good presence. This was one of my favorite roles he's done was the John Wick series. I loved him in this character. Even my mom who who didn't really know who he was was like I really like this guy. <laughs> when when we were watching it, um, you know one of my favorite scenes with him is in the in this movie 
when Perkins is trying to kill Wake and he calls the room and it just cuts between him staying on the phone and and the shit going on in the in the room and it's I'm sorry to call you at this time of the hour, Mr. Wick. <laughs> I love him. You know, he's the he's the the front desk. He's the the concierge named after the Greek ferryman of the dead. So he's got this like you know Greek mythology thing going on that uh you know he's he gives passage almost. It's I love his interactions with John Wick's dog in part two. Oh yeah. Becomes friendly with the dog and his intense loyalty to Winston, like throughout the whole franchise. I love that. Well, I love how on the it's they finally signed for like they they considered each other friends. It was it wasn't just a working relationship. They they very much considered each other friends, which was very nice to see. It's like oh, um, I did like how he got in on the fight in the third film. He's like, I want to help John Wick out. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a bit like you know, dumping a bucket of water on a fire while the firemen are already there with the big hose you're like i'm gonna help it's like it's john wick how much help are you really gonna be here but you know i appreciate the sentiment yeah <laughs> uh willem defoe was cast as marcus john's hitman friend who backs him up it's cool to see willem defoe pop into a low budget action film like this and uh you know as a memorable character who yeah i I get why he had to die, but I wish we gotten to see him in the wider world in the, in the sequels. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I mean, we got you know William Dafoe in a John Wick movie, and William Dafoe in anything I'll take. You know, it's 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 William Dafoe. The guy's always great, always consistently good. So I was very happy. I remember when I first watched this. Like I said, I went and switched low expectations for this first film. When I initially watched it. I had no idea beyond Keanu Reeves who the fuck was in this movie. So when he popped in the beginning, I was like, oh hey. We were in the foes in this. Sweet. Yeah, I know that 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 lured me in pretty quickly. I'm like, okay. I, I, touche. I like Defoe. Yeah. I think that was a smart move introducing Defoe early on. So you can like people who were like us who didn't know what the hell this was could be like, I know him. All right. No, okay. Got Defoe. Let's let's see what else you got, movie. Oh, you got the guy from Game of Thrones that most people don't like. Got it. Yeah. Alfie Allen was cast as Yosef, Vigo's dipshit son. And I know I feel kind of bad for Alfie Allen because with this and Game of Thrones, he has been typecast as an obnoxious prick with daddy issues. Yeah, <laughs> I would say at least like Game of Thrones actively tried towards the end of its, end of its run to give him like a, a redemption arc. Um, yeah, but, but God, then, this guy. Oh my yeah, God. This, he's the franchise's guy. most punchable villain by a lot, and that's including oh. the the. Uh, What's his, what's he called? The Marquis de Gramont, the French guy. Oh, the new yeah. one, Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, I'm like, oh fuck him, but this guy, yeah. There's, I hate entitlement, and this dude just reeks of. Yeah, well, I mean, you know who my father is. Yeah, but also he's playing every type of like mob boss kid you see in films. I'm sure are like that in real life. I luckily am still here and have, so I have not ran into that myself. Don't want to. Um, but you know, it's 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 young dudes that they know what their parents do for a living. They're aware of what their parents do for a living, so they they you know, their shit don't stink, and they give away whatever because it's like, oh, you're not going to touch me. This is what my dad does, and I'll fucking kill you. Yeah, but then when dad's like, you're on your own, <laughs> you moron, and you're <laughs> like, what do I do now? Yeah, when you you know, oh yeah, wake the bear, it's he's gonna kill you. 
<laughs> oh yeah, I love after that phone call with John Leguizamo and his the daddy Mealy when he gets uh, told about the business meeting going on. He's like, "Where's my son?" <laughs> oh, Joseph's trying to tell him like, "Oh, it went so totally smoothly. They're not going to do shit." And Vigo's like, "That's great," and punches him right in the fucking gut. <laughs> yes. Oh, and then before that, when Lager's armor punches him, I fucking love that scene so much when he just comes in with the car and Lager's immediately recognizes whose car it is. And he's like, who do you get that from? He's like, oh, some dude and Nick did. And he goes, get that the fuck out of my shop. Like immediately. He's like, are you serious? I love He's like, oh, what'd you do? You, you fuck him up real bad? Oh, yeah, we, we fucked him up real bad. Oh, is that right? And punches him in the goddamn face. I love when the Yosef's friend like pulls the gun and Aurelio's like, oh, you're a big man, huh? You you, you gonna pull a gun on me in my shop? And he like grabs it. He's like, do it. Shoot me. What are you gonna do? Like, Jesus. I don't yeah, know how Leguizamo like, puts his pants on over that giant set of balls. <laughs> right? I was like, Jesus. I like when the dude, his buddy, the calmer of the, the two in his friends group is like, Vigo is not going to like this. He's like, I know what, I know what Vigo's not going to like. And he's not going to like what I have to tell him. Yeah, he's like, I'll tell you something. He's going to understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because old blood knows, you know, what's okay to do and what's not okay to do. Young blood doesn't give a shit. Yeah, it, it still has to learn the rules. But he does, you know, he, he does a great, it's a great performance from Alfie Allen. He definitely sells obnoxious mob boss kid and then, you know, terrified for his life, regretful idiot later on. <laughs> Oh yeah, I always like one of my like little favorite moments he does is when he gets the bottle taken from away from the club and he acts like a little baby. I want another bottle. Give me a fucking bottle. I'm like, God, dude, you are nothing behind your dad's fucking mob money. I've always loved the juxtaposition between the Continental nightclub, which is classy and kind of jazzy, and then Yosef's nightclub, which is just douchebag, loud pop bullshit. It's like. This there's two worlds going on here, and Yosef's trying to exist in both, and neither one really wants him. Yeah, <laughs> they just view him as like, oh, you're the you know entitled, spoiled, you know mob boss's kid. Everyone hates him, but has to tolerate him. Uh, and that takes us to Michael Nikvist, who plays Vigo Tarasov, the Russian crime boss, who is pretty much just accepted death the second he gets that phone call. And I love watching Vigo decline mentally throughout the whole movie as he just realizes I'm going to lose everything because of my fucking stupid son <laughs> stole from the scariest motherfucker on earth. You would think like if that was if John Wick retired his ass in the same city he works in, right? Mm-hmm. Which was kind of he should have just moved out of New York. Um, do you think Vigo would have been like, okay, this guy? Son, if you're running him, just keep going. Don't fucking do it. Well, I think it never even crossed his mind that his son would run into John Wick randomly, fall in love with his car, and take it. <laughs> I don't think that even crossed his mind. Because you he had to have told his son, you know, bedtime stories of the Baba Yaga. He had to have said something. Oh, yeah, something. I mean, he's only John's only been out for five years. His yeah. How how did these people like how did his circle not recognize John Wick? I, I mean, mean that's true. If he's only been, unless his son just had no fucking clue who you know never saw him. 
Yeah. But I'm like, wait, might his son have actually at some point seen him or something? But like some of Yosef's friends are like older, you know, in their 30s, some, maybe their 40s. Certainly they might have seen in passing the boogeyman and remembered, well, I guess maybe not, you know, if he's not coming after you, you're not going to remember his face. That's true. I'm also, you're not terrified of him if he's not coming after you. But yeah, Vigo should have told Yosef. And by the way, stay away from that guy. Yeah, this is what he looks like. If you see this face, keep walking. Keep walking because we will lose everything, son. Don't fucking do it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's funny watching his list decline. Like the moment he's that phone call, he's just like, he's like, oh, oh no, 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 he, no, no, no. The way he holds himself, the like little jokes and he he does, he's just like, I don't fucking care. I'm gonna die. So why not? <laughs> he doesn't care at that point. He's like, fuck it. <laughs> I can't win this. You know it. I know it. So. Bring it on. Yeah. I do like when like John shoots the car and gets on top of it and him like, okay, 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 okay. He's just like shit. Just like scream. I love that. <laughs> Vigo is oh Michael Nickvis was a fucking treasure. I he was so he's such a great actor. He he passed a few years ago, regrettably. I, I heard about that, yeah. Yeah. I'd only seen him in a handful of stuff. He did this movie called Colonia with uh, Emma Watson and Daniel Brühl, where he played a cult leader in uh, Chile. He was fucking terrifying. He just believed him as this like nut job who ran this place with an iron fist. I recommend checking that out for a really good Nick Fist performance. And then uh, the uh, Swedish girl with the dragon tattoo trilogy. I've heard that's that's I heard where he's like the most famous from is that is that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he was the bad guy in Mission Impossible 4. Probably, and I just don't remember. I've seen the movie once, so I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, no, yeah, he is phenomenal. And it's like you, you definitely can see where he is definitely like the mob boss that he is. Like, you can get why he's feared and like how he's achieved what he's achieved, but at the same time, seeing, yeah, like that mental deterioration of like a man that just realizes we, my idiot son, just fucked with the wrong guy. I'm going to lose everything. God damn it <laughs> that's why that's why the character works so well because he's traditionally he's the guy you're supposed to be afraid of in movies like this he's the guy who runs everything who people fear so when he's you know shaking at the idea of the hitman who got out and is coming back it really just keeps building john's legend like even more it's great yeah um we got adrian palicki as perkins the assassin who breaks the rules and uh, she's great. She's just a great evil bitch who doesn't appreciate how people do business here and pays for it. Yeah. Well, again, it's that, it's that young blood in a way. You know what I mean? Like, we see it on the side of uh, Vigo's son. Then we see it here where it's like, she doesn't care about the continental war. She's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a young blood. I don't care. And, and, you know, just like Vigo's son, she does pay the price ultimately when Winston gets one up on her. With the Miss Perkins, Miss Perkins, your membership to the Continental has forever now been revoked by and thine own hand. Revoked. I love that. <laughs> yeah, and just has her shot the fuck up. That is such a beautifully framed shot of like Perkins walking through the park and the four assassins just coming out of the shadows and surrounding her. Oh my god! I'm glad they were good shots too because they were aiming right at each other. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, she's great. I oh, laugh in the background. You see one just fall. <laughs> <laughs> that would have killed the mood, but it would have been funny. Uh, she plays um, 
the lieutenant on the Orville and is uh, she's hilarious and very heroic on that show. So when I see her as a piece of shit in this, it's always like, ah, she's got. Rage. Yeah, I think she was also on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I believe. Yeah, she was Mockingbird. And uh, that was great. Great performance. For her. She almost played Wonder Woman on a failed uh, pilot that never took off. And I okay. saw some clips from it. It's like, yeah, this is cheap and the, pl- the costume's plastic. No wonder this didn't take off. <laughs> um, and then finally, John Leguizamo as Aurelio, mechanic to the criminals. My mom hated, to this day, hates when uh, they call him old man. Because, like, Leguizamo's her age. So she always takes that oh. <laughs> They're not calling her that. They're calling him that. I know, but it's like, what? John Leguizamo's old now? God damn it. Yeah, he is. He's in his fifties. <laughs> I think he's I, almost in his sixties. Yeah, I love him. It's just he's you know one of the guys who knows what's going on, doesn't fuck around, and does the right thing. Calls John. It's like, hey, your car was here. It's like this is where it went. You know, he's not even he's not even a, like afraid of John because he knows he didn't do anything. Yeah, that's what I love is like if you know you didn't do anything, you don't have to be scared. You're like, well, he's not going to kill me. I didn't do anything. Everything love- John does to people is reactionary. People fuck with him first, and then he fucks back. Yeah, I do like how he has the drink ready. He knows because he, he's like John's going to come asking questions. Yeah. John shows up still wearing his bloody clothes. One thing on his mind. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I wish I wish Leguizamo had been in three and four. We never got to see him. You know, bring the car back. Yeah, we never did. That's my one thing. I was like, I actually wanted more of him, but I, he just, I guess they couldn't find a place for him in the franchise. I guess not once shit got too big. It was like your small town New York mechanic guy who does some side business with the Russians suddenly doesn't seem that important. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but you know, hey. Yeah, we should move past the Russians. <laughs> yeah. You think Vigo sit, sit, uh, sat at the table? You think the Tarasovs sat at the table? No. I think they were probably just a local New York russian family i bet he wanted to i bet vigo was like that was his ambition was he wants to sit at the table but yosef fucked that up didn't he <laughs> now there's no yeah, more terrorist ops <laughs> john wick decimated an entire well family. i mean peter stamara is still out there but he's too much of a weak coward to make a play not while john's oh. still out there <laughs> he's not making that he's not you know, risking that shit ever again. <laughs> no, he's not. Uh, so production was quickly saddled with financial problems. Thunder Road Films, they just didn't have the kind of capital that bigger studios had. Plus, their initial investors were pretty unreliable. They didn't come through with the cash. So they couldn't afford the movie. They almost canceled the project five days into production. Oh my God. Yeah, they were almost like, we can't afford it. We got to ditch this thing. But um, Iwanek, the head of Thunder Road, learned that if he did that, he would be sued into oblivion by the various guild unions who were on the verge of not getting paid. And you don't do that. You don't fuck with the unions. No, no, no. You do not fuck with the unions in Hollywood. Yeah. So Thunder Road could have been buried by union blackmail. Thankfully, Iwanek thought this through and decided... All right, we're going to make this work. He used his own personal credit card to cover some of the production costs, arguing that, you know, he might at the very least get some air miles out of this. Oh, God. That was his rationale. I was like, well, you know, I get 
Air Miles. I, I'm sure he's a happy. I'm sure he's a happy man now with the franchise. But oh my god! Right? They they were ultimately saved by of all people, Eva Longoria. The actress Eva Longoria wrote them a check and never really talked about why she produced the film. They were like, we thank her every day for saving this movie, and then she just moved on. Did, did Keanu Reeves talk nice to her or something? I don't know. I couldn't find anything about why Eva Longoria invested in this movie. It's right on the end credits, executive producers. It's like a couple people in Eva Longoria. Did like Kanye Reeves was like, look, Eva, we've been friends a while. I guess maybe. I don't know. Did he, maybe he was a fan of Desperate Housewives. I don't know. I, they don't have just Kanye Reeves after a long day of filming John Wick. I can't wait to go home and watch Desperate Housewives. I wonder if his plan was to just move through the cast. Like, if Eva Longoria said no, I'm going to go to Terry Hatcher. (laughs) I don't know. I'd love to know why. I'd love to hear what happened there. But, yeah, she saved the movie. Well, good. Goddamn. And, you know, Keanu, of course, he, like, negated his part of his salary to make sure they could. he does that a lot. He's often said, like, I have more money than I'll ever be able to spend in, like, 10 lifetimes. So he throws a lot of it around. For good cause, yeah. I, it's not the first time, you know. He, you know, famously gave a huge chunk of his sh- salary on the second Matrix film to the stunt team for all the work they that they, they did as a thank you. Yeah, um, explains that loyalty between you know Stahelski, Leach, and Reeves is that's not a gesture you're going to forget. No, and then obviously t- people don't talk about it as much, but for the Devil's Advocate, um, the, they couldn't afford Al Pacino at first for the movie because I fucking Al Pacino. And how, how they pulled it off was Reeves took less money. He said, hey, take what you need left to pay him from my salary and give it and use it to get him. Because he, he he so badly wanted to work with Pacino himself. I love that that's framed as a nice Keanu story, when in reality it sounds more like an asshole Pacino story. It is. Not, I mean, it is. But you know what I mean? Like the fact that he was just like, hey, look, take it, take take it from me. I don't care. If Pacino had, you know, just been like, yeah, I'll take, like, you know, less money. I don't need it. But hey, that's not how it worked. No. Luckily, they had Reeves to come in and save the day. So, yeah, not the first time he's done it, but it's always just nice to hear. And the fact that he, again, was like, hey, look, if it helps anyone with this one, if it helps in any way, negate my salary. Like, use that money for the budget. Like, that, Yeah. Yeah, and it worked out. Ultimately, everyone's investment and the faith they had in John Wick paid off tremendously, and it became a billion-dollar franchise. So sometimes you gotta gotta care just a little bit, just a little bit. John Wick has an IMDb score of seven point four, Rotten Tomatoes score of eighty-six percent. Critics' consensus reads stylish, thrilling, and giddily kinetic. John Wick serves as a satisfying return to action for Keanu Reeves. And what looks like it could be the first of a franchise. I, you were right. Good, good call. Rotten Tomatoes of twenty four. For once, critics. Good call. That's another thing. I love how every film has been more critically acclaimed than the previous one. <laughs> yes, the the, the the I think the Rotten Tomatoes score has like gotten higher with each film. Yeah, I think Part Four is like rocking nine, like a ninety three or ninety five percent. Still, Dude, part four has been literally getting called like the one of the greatest action masterpieces of the decade. Like, I've seen that get thrown around so much with the new one. Like, it's insane. Yeah, it's amazing. I 
This literally appealed to everybody and everyone got on board with John Wick. Critics, fans, <laughs> stunt people, actor, other actors, like the, the people who kept popping into this franchise because they were fans. It's like, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, it's the great unifier. <laughs> dude, it's like the franchise and, you know, and again, not, you know, this is not me trying to shit on like, you know, people. And obviously I know you guys like watching a lot of Oscar films and stuff like that. not trying to shit on any of that. But it's always funny when, like, you know, you got those ones that come out and people don't really gravitate towards as much. But then, like, the art that gets regularly mocked or laughed at or looked down upon, right? You know, it's what seems to unite people in a way. You know what I mean? Like, like John Wick, the Jackass franchise, right? How, like, critics and fans are seem to agree on that franchise. So, and if you don't believe me, look at the fucking reviews for Jackass Forever. <laughs> Jesus. Um... But, you know, it's like these, like the franchises that people will just be like, oh, this is what you like. It's, you know, lowbrow entertainment, air quotes. But these are the ones that are consistently uniting critics, uniting fans, uniting actors in the industry to be like, no, we fucking like this. This shit's cool. Like my my Twitter feed is still getting blown up with people not shutting up about new John Wick. Still, I am seeing posts about it. Can't say the same for Shazam, but John Wick 4, <laughs> still talking about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's I couldn't you know, it's there's so many different facets to this franchise that make it work so well. But it begins with, you know, a tight script and great direction. And this franchise has that in spades. Yeah. And one of the most beloved actors in Hollywood. Yeah. Keanu being just a super nice person, I'm sure, you know, doesn't hurt. <laughs> uh, Did you see the video recently? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, on the newest one, someone showed a video of him helping move production equipment on the newest John Wick. He's, ah. yeah, he's in his like suit and everything, John Wick attire, holding like production boxes in both his hands, walking up the stairs, helping move it. Fucking great. I love scenes of that. Like it really shows somebody's character. Like there was a video um, at the Oscars, uh, some photographer like tripped and fell over, and Lady Gaga immediately ran over to help him out. Like nobody else did. Just Lady Gaga went over to be like, are you all right? And like helped him up. That's nice. Yeah. Well, that I shows you actually. Yeah. I'm not, I'll say I've actually heard pretty good things about her. Yeah. So have I. <laughs> I think, I think she'll be a really good uh, Harley Quinn quick side note on the upcoming Joker. I hope so. I don't think we need that movie at all. And I think it's weird that it's a musical, but I'm willing to check it out. I I'm, I'm actually honestly very against it. And I liked Joker quite a bit, but I'm very against the sequel. Cause I don't know why we need it, but. Um, John Wick grossed 90 million bucks on a budget of only 20 million, mostly from word of mouth who were just like, dude, you got to check this out. <laughs> yeah, literally like how it was, how I described my story is how most people saw this. It was really kind of interesting an action film. Okay, sure. We all saw 47 running count on you. All right. And then everyone's like, no, dude, you got to check this one out. We're like, all right. It spawned three sequels and a spinoff and prequel miniseries that are both in early development. John Wick has since become one of the most celebrated action franchises of all time, and it almost didn't happen. <laughs> no, it almost got canceled. Like I said, I think originally there were plans to make it direct to video streaming, I think to save cost. And somehow they got saved from that. Like we almost got a much different landscape. And I'm, you know, and this is one of those things where you're, you're super happy it happened the way it did. And I did get theatrical release because, you know, if you don't think that this movie and the subsequent sequels have changed American action cinema, oh, you're wrong. It has. Like, it seems like now, be ever since the first time we came out, 
American Action has finally been trying to catch up to it, and so many clones have been coming out just trying to fucking be John Wick. Problem is, none of them have come close to being as good as this film, this, this film of the series, because they don't get what made this one work. They're just trying to copy it, and that is inherently the wrong place to start. Yeah, every big success has their imitators. You know, Blair Witch had it. Like it always. Every time there's something that like rejuvenates a, a genre or like does something new. You just get your constant imitators, and John Wick's no different. You know, you got films like The Equalizer, which isn't terrible, but it's not John Wick. No, and I, I know a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people tell me the second one's good. I've only seen the first one. I know they're making a third one, so second one's not good. Oh, first one's not bad. Second one's like all over the map. Tries to do that whole like double, triple, quadruple cross bullshit that espionage oh. thrillers do. I hate that. Yeah. Well, let's give some awards to John Wick. We got the Quentin Tarantino Award for the best line of the movie. We've got the Thomas Newman Award for the best music moment of the movie. The Philip Seymour Hoffman Award for the best performance. And the John Carpenter Award for the best scene. So why don't you give us your Quentin Tarantino Award, the best line of the movie. What do you got? Look, this was tough. I mean, we might have the same one. I don't know. Because this was so fucking tough. There's not a lot of big moment. Like, in terms of dialogue, there's not a lot of big, like, whoa moments. But there's a lot of like little, little moments. You know what I mean? Yes, and I had a lot of those little moments running down. You know, like when you know, the whole you know speech that Vio gives to his son about his wife dying, and especially the moment when he's like, and not mere days after his wife's death, you stole John Wick's car, and you killed his. Oh no, you you, you killed his fucking dog. <laughs> like, you know, I had that. You know, when Ligon tells him on the phone what he did, you know, that you know, the whole that fucking nobody is John Wick had all that stuff run down. Even the little line when like Vigo finally told Sean Wick where his son's at, and he's like, They know you're going to come. And I love Wick's response, of course, but it won't matter. Like, oh <laughs> but what I ultimately went with, and let's see, you might have it too, because it's just it's too good not to put down, and it's been one of the most off quoted lines from the entire film and the entire franchise. Because it just works so goddamn well. And that's when he's tied in the chair. Kanye gives one of the best fucking speeches ever in a movie that both feels like not just a movie line, but almost feels a little bit like real life, like a little personal. Because like we talked about with his career at that time when John Wick was coming out. And it's a part specifically when he goes, people keep asking if I'm back. And I really haven't had an answer. But yeah, I'm starting to think I'm back. The the whole speech Connie Reeves does in that scene, in that moment is fucking great. The little growl he does when like he talks about getting the dog and he's like, "And your son took that from me." And like the growl he, I'm like, "Oh, you feel the anger." Um, but that specific part of the dialogue is so good. I have exactly that. I added on the end when he says, "So you can either hand over your son or you can die screaming alongside him." And then he gets the bag over the head. But it's just, yeah, it's such a great moment. Of like you, Because John hasn't really expressed verbally what he's been going through this movie. And this is the moment where he's like, this is why I'm pissed that your kid killed my dog. It's like, it was the last thing my wife gave me. I could grieve with something. And your fuckhead kid <laughs> killed it. It's like, shit, you're like, you're getting freaked out. You're getting scared. Um, <laughs> I have seen this film so many fucking times. That scene 
it gives me goosebumps every time. I'm like, God, acting right there, fucking acting. Well, I was also I was reading up. You know, um, Keanu Reeves. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but he has had quite a deal, quite a great deal of tragedy in his life, in his personal. He has, life. and he poured a lot of that into John Wick, especially towards the beginning, like the scene where he gets the dog and he's reading the card and he's sobbing to himself. Like you don't see action heroes that vulnerable ever. No, and Keanu. He he went to a place he, I don't think he's ever really gone before to evoke that kind of emotion, and yeah. he goes back in that scene, and you feel it. You can feel where he's coming from. You can feel that this is this means something to him, and I love that. I love that that vibe. Yeah. For those who um, don't know, who might be listening and don't know, um, you know, obviously I mentioned it, kind of does have it does have a girlfriend um, currently. Before that, he met a lady. That he, you know, fell in love with, and they had intentions to get married, and she got pregnant with his child, and she had a stillbirth, and the baby died, and it put a strain on the relationship. They rekindled, they got back together, and unfortunately, shortly after that, she was involved in a car wreck after attending a party at Marilyn Manson's house. Um, yeah. And that's what we're talking about. For those who don't know, not to get too heavy, but that's the incident we're talking about and why, you know, this whole sad Keanu meme and all that stuff afterwards. But that's what happened in Kanye Reeves' life. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can definitely, you know, and obviously I think I've heard from a lot of people, from what people said, it did obviously very much affect them big time, obviously. Um, but, yeah, you can see where in this film he is reaching probably how – probably going through those well of emotions he felt that that day when all that stuff went down and using that to crawl into this character and you know obviously specifically the beginning of the film like say when he's sobbing and then this scene right here when he is like reaching deep down and like be vulnerable say how he feels and you know even with that in mind anyone i think who's gone through a loss like that in their life in real life right anyone who has lost a significant other or a child anything someone they love right you feel it with them because you you know those emotions, you know that feeling just as much as he does, and you know, yeah, you get it. You and you know, it's funny because we all made a joke. Oh, don't kill John Wick's dog. You know, we made that joke since the film came out. But like, you know, when you have that scene and it, it really does a good job recontextualizing it and making you go like, I get it. Like, I mean, obviously, I look, I would do anything for my dog. I love my dog to death. But if I if I got my dog through those kind of circumstances. I, I and I was like in his position, I'd do the same fucking thing. No, I'm going through hell and high water now. Fuck your son, I'm going after him. Yeah. It's I admire Keanu Reeves a lot for not letting that break him, for finding his way back, for you know, keeping, you know, still being his upbeat, fun, kind self. Yeah, he that. was young when that happened too. So Yeah. He he could have, you know, retreated into himself, could have you know, retired could have, you know, we could have never seen him again, but no, he kept working. He kept, you know, being kind of an anchor for a lot of people. And I, I respect the hell out of that. Keanu Reeves is more than just like Hollywood's nice guy. I think he truly is like, he's a role model and a personal hero. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's knowing that. And then like seeing this scene and seeing, 
you know, this thing specifically, like, yeah, this speech, it hits. Like, I, like I said, I've seen this, I've seen this thing, like, probably over fucking 50 times, this movie. And this scene still gets me every fucking time. And it's all because of Kanye Louis' delivery and just the, the dialogue. Um, I could have gone, I was thinking about um, when Vigo tells Yosef the story of, of the Baba Yaga and what's, what's coming. And he hugs Yosef and he's just like, you will do nothing because you can do nothing. (laughs) Yeah. There is no fighting this. I, I love that. I love, there's not like, we got to band together and fight this guy. It's the the battle's over. We can't fight (laughs) this guy. (laughs) You just unleash this guy on us. Why would you do that? (laughs) Um, I, I love when he's like, you know, talks about the pole pencil. He's like, I gave him an impossible task and the bodies he left that day laid the foundation for what we are. I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, I once watched him at a bar kill three men with a pencil. A fucking pencil. I love when he walks away and he does that. The fucking mayhem. I will never refer to that dude. That's his actual name. It's always mayhem because of those fucking commercials. Um, he played real quick on the show Brooklyn Nine Nine. That guy plays a super asshole cop that's known as the Vulture. So seeing the Vulture get sideswiped in this movie is pretty damn satisfying for Brooklyn Nine Nine fans. Nice, yeah. I God that that part you're like, dude, who is it? Like I said, that whole scene in general is great. You're just like, who is this guy? Oh, what are some other good lines? Um, Marcus's death when he said, you know, when Vigo's like, no, no, you go out on my terms. And Marcus is like, no, sir, I go out on my own and grabs a gun and, you know, does a whole suicide by mob thing. Uh, yeah, there's it's a, it is a flawless script. It really is like their rewrites. Yeah. Keanu's input was perfect. Colstad's foundation rocked. It just all worked together so well. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, flawless. Uh, with that, the Thomas Newman Award, best music moment. What do you got? Again, this was actually one of the harder ones. So I do think this movie and this franchise in general excels with how it mixes music with the uh, the action and even with the dialogue and stuff. Like they do such a good job with it. It's there's so many good moments. Um, when it, you know, and like for those who haven't seen Tom before, those are great moment in Paris with how they're playing certain songs on the radio as the entire city it seems is going after John Wick. And it's great. Um, but for this film, man, I had dude, I had stuff written down. Okay. Again, like everything I had so much. This is probably the most I've written down for any movie I've done because I just fucking was like, God damn it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, music when they're doing the whole like informing, you know, Vigo's informing his son of you, John Wick is and the music that's playing as he's like beating it. Whoo. That's the um, kind of like John Wick theme song, which I love how simplistic and kind of haunting that is, that that bit of score. It's in all four movies. It's kind of the overarching franchise theme. Mm, so good. Oh, it's so good. I had that done. Um, the song that plays when he finally does get um, Yosef, like the song that plays is like, it, it was great. But what I went with, and because it just is, again, it's that mixing of like music with the action, how it works so well in this franchise. I went with the club beat that plays as Wick is taking out the guards and like, there's like obviously the basement portion where it's nice and slow and kind of like 
it makes you feel like John's not really fully focused yet. He's a little bit off his game right now. Mm-hmm. And then when it gets to like the top part and the beat, that club beat, you know, everyone that dan- is dancing to it. And it is just, he's a machine and he is just taking these cards fucking out. God, what a great fucking music moment. Well, I love, you know, in the, I was talking about lighting earlier in the, in the, the bath house area, it's very blue and tranquil. And yeah, it's like, that's John wick. Upstairs in the club, the pulsing red lights and the beat, that's Bobby. Yeah, that's the Baba Yaga. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I he, love the, he doesn't miss. <laughs> no, and I love the needle drop they did. Like I love and I caught it this time when I watched it, and this is the first time I've caught it. But when it's getting transitioning to the upstairs part, the you notice the beat starts to kind of slow down before it's almost like a breakdown in a metal song, right? It's slowing down before it does it. And um you slow down and the moment the door opens, the beat just goes. Boom, 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 and it just fucking goes, and you just see him doing his thing, and you're like, "Yes, take out the cards, fucking get them, John." I loved minor spoiler for part four. I loved hearing that music again during the oh, dragon threat sequence. Yeah. I was like, "Oh shit, that's the red circle." <laughs> yeah, I caught that. I was like, "Oh, they're playing it again." Oh, that was neat. Yeah, great pick. I'm glad we. I'm glad you chose that. That's an awesome music moment um i ultimately went with killing strangers by marilyn manson Uh, i almost had that too because i was like god this is such a good song (laughs) it's so perfect i went with its second usage in the movie where vigo kills marcus because it's just so pointless like vigo he was leaving (laughs) yeah it's like dude (laughs) now this now it's on you like at first it was your son but now it's on you he was leaving you had to have just you had to have the final word, didn't you, Vigo? I mean, he killed your son and you couldn't let him get away with it, even if it means you're going to die next. And yeah, it was it was like also like the consequences of John's actions for the first time as well. Yeah. Well, so, and look, it, ignoring the kind of the, the shit going on in Marilyn Manson right now. OK, I understand there's obviously a lot of people probably don't like him for good possible reasons um, with all those allegations. Um I like I've said, you know, he was one of those guys that look and again, please don't trust me. I'm obviously was not aware as a kid of the shit that's going on now. Um, or coming to light now. I shouldn't say it's happening now, coming to light now. Um, but he was one of those that like in my journey of like here I am as a metalhead, he was one of the guys I got into hard, Marilyn Manson, just the aesthetic and all the stuff he was doing, I got into. Okay. Um, but I remember like obviously he had that like like any artist that kind of after the shock of Manson on the public kind of wore off and he wasn't as big as he once was in like the nineties and early two thousands. I obviously didn't, you know, some of his later stuff I didn't get as into. And I remember when I was watching this again, I went in not knowing too much. I had no idea. Marilyn Manson contributed a fucking song to which again, now that we talk about, you know, obviously what kind of uses, you know, in the party, interesting that he had Manson do the song for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I remember when I heard it, I was sitting there going, is that, is that Marilyn Manson I'm hearing? And like, <laughs> now that was the one thing that was, you know, me and my mom agreed with everything else. That's the one thing that I, because she obviously, my parents care less. I was like, I'm playing Dungeon. You're like, wow, it's, it's Marilyn Manson. It's a Marilyn Manson song in a John Wick movie. Oh my God. <laughs> it just added to how much more I liked the film was hearing that um, song. It was actually, honestly, even if you don't like Marilyn Manson, I, I promise you that's a really good song, honestly. Yeah. Being involved in the John Wick franchise washes away any other sins that song might be connected to as far as I'm concerned. 
It's a Fair John enough. Wick song first and a Marilyn Manson song second. It, yeah, and it's look. It I'll say it, it's one of Marilyn Manson's better like later songs of his career. Like that. That's a, it's a really fucking good song. Yes, indeed. Uh, performance. The PSH. Who wins the movie? Oh, easy. I didn't even have a contest on this one. And look, this is this is a franchise that to me doesn't have a single bad performance in any of the films. All phenomenal performances. I'm giving the first one to Keanu Reeves. Yeah, and. I have a feeling you probably put the same or you put someone different. I did put somebody different, but I do agree okay. that Keanu is killing it in this movie. It is the best performance of his career as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, and actually having seen the most recent one and then watching this one, I didn't have time to rewatch all of them. So I didn't get to two and three. I would say I give it some in the first one, the sequels. I'm sorry. I will start looking at some of the other supporting players and our characters we have, but the first one I'm giving to Reeves one, obviously all stuff we said, yeah, I think it's absolutely the, his the one of the best performances, if not the best performance of his career. And, you know, just the little stuff he does, but like you said, how he's able, you know, and I know obviously there's been memes and stuff about how he's not that great of an actor. No, I've never thought Reeves is an amazing actor, but he's always had such charisma, and usually he knows how to play within what works for him. That I, it, He's never really bothered me like it does some people. And this is a case where he knew how to perform this, and people don't realize that he does a lot without saying there's a lot of performing without saying a single word and you understand everything like i said that little scene i talked about when he is looking dead at yosef and shoots the guy tells you everything doesn't have to say a fucking word that just tells you everything um the chair scene obviously um the you know little things like with the exchange with the cop and you know the the guard at the at the door like, Keanu Reeves is absolutely selling the shit out of this movie. And he has a very interesting comedic timing, too, that, again, I know we've, you know, that doesn't get talked about a lot in all the films, but his character or the way he sometimes responds to stuff, it's like, okay, that that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, he brings it. To, he brings it in this movie. I think, you know, because he had a lot of input on the script and because he understood the character and could relate to some of the character's aspects better than, like, you know, Neo or Ted or Harker from Dracula. Ugh. But so let's come down on Ted. I actually really like Ted. <laughs> I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying like, I feel like there's a more personal investment in John okay. Wick for Keanu. Yeah. I'm not saying the rest are bad performances, except for Harker. That was a bad performance, but don't cast Keanu as an Englishman. That's common sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, I get, I get why. Yeah. For sure. Keanu. I gave this to Michael Nickvis. Okay. Because I just love the idea of a seasoned Russian gangster scared out of his mind and losing it the whole movie and just being completely out of control of the situation from the moment he gets in, introduced in the film. And he plays it so well. He plays it as just, especially at the end when, you know, he's on his way to the helicopter and John shows up and he just like breaks. He just starts laughing in the back seat of the car. He's like screwing with the guy asking for a gun. He's just like, fuck it. Yeah, he's like, this guy is relentless. He's not stopping. He's a little high at this point. He's like, I, I don't care anymore. <laughs> what could I possibly lose? My son's dead. My empire's about to be crumbled. Who cares? What am I going to lose? You, like car insurance guy? What do I care? <laughs> yeah, it, I, yeah. No. there's a great My, performance and a great like first villain for the franchise. Yeah, yeah, no, it. I'm with you on this one. It is, it, he is really, really good in this. The moment 
like you said, the moment he takes that phone call with Legozamo, and you get a little bit of like the Russian boss to be scared of when he's like, I heard you struck my son. Care to explain? You know that's the voice of like, you better have a good explanation or I'm sending people to your shop to kill you. <laughs> and the moment he tells him what he did, well, yes, sir. Uh he uh he stole he killed John Wick's dog and um stole his car. And just that immediate one word, oh. And just hangs up. You're like, oh, yeah. The fear in his eyes as he walks down the stairs, and he's like, he's not even looking at anybody. He just goes straight for the bar, opens a bottle of vodka. It's just like <laughs> trying to comprehend what he just heard. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I wish I'd gotten to see him in more stuff. I gotta watch. He did a lot of Swedish films. Um, he's a Swedish actor. I gotta, I gotta look at some of his uh, Swedish output. Yeah, I still actually consider him one of the best villains in the franchise to this day. And this is a franchise that's been filled with great fucking villains, in my opinion. I still would rank him up high at the at the top. Yeah, he's my favorite. Just because, yeah. <laughs> he's the only one, the only bad guy in the whole franchise who's absolutely terrified of John Wick and yeah. fights him anyway. Yeah, because all the other ones think they can finally be the ones to do it. Santino's like, I own you. And you know uh, the Ale Cuisine guys like I'm a big fan, and then the French guys like, you know, I'm just French and mean. <laughs> so, he, yeah, they they all don't take him seriously. Vigo knows what he's he, he's seen what he can do. Yeah, he's worked with them. That I love I love that they do that. He's like, yeah, that used to be my my hitman. I told him who to kill. I yeah, the whole impossible task was something he thought would never work so he could deny John's request to leave. And then John goes and kills all of Vigo's enemies and makes him a, pl- a player. He's like, well, okay. All right. You can go. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> all right. Well, I thought this would kill you, but you won. And um, I'm going to let you leave. Yeah. I'll be a man of my word. <laughs> I don't want to see what happens when I say no to you. <laughs> uh the John Carpenter Award, best scene of the movie. I'm curious where you went with this. All right. Again, I had a lot of shit written down, dude. A lot. But aside to go, we've talked about it quite a bit. I'm going to talk about some more because it still gives, it's another thing that just gives me goosebumps because of how it plays out. And that is when Vigo is informing his son, the type of person who John Wick is yep. and who he truly fucked with. Me too. Just, I went with that as okay. well. Yeah. It, dude, everything about this scene, right? The, the, the fucking dialogue in it, the music kicking in, the the as he's telling us, mixing it with John going and getting his guns that he's had buried. Like everything about this scene is just work. It's again the best, the absolute best fucking character development hype for your personality. It makes you go, Who is this guy? And when am I going to see all this in action? Because there's, I need to see this play out. It is, oh, it's just, fucking flawless scene in a flawless movie yeah. john wick is the ultimate fuck around and find out movie it, it really is yosef fucks around and vigo tells him you're you're gonna find out yeah. <laughs> you did this there's no sympathy yeah. there's no like i'm gonna help you it's you dug this hole <laughs> you did it to me yeah. <laughs> the hug is like fuck you it's a fuck you hug you never see that yeah, you don't. Because it's not a compassionate. He's just like, oh, no, you, you fucked up. The guy who was my hitman who made me this empire. 
I let him out and you unleashed him on us. Why would you do that? <laughs> it is like, yeah, it's it's watching him just accept death before it's 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 great. It's a great it really just prepares you for what what's to come. And we never see a reaction like this from anybody else in the franchise when it comes to John Wick. Everyone else thinks like, oh no, I'm important. I'll take him down. Vigo knew better. <laughs> Vigo was the only one that was shitting himself probably in that scene. Yeah. I, I love the little things he does, like give his son the drink so he can punch him and make him throw up. And then I clean that shit up and just throw a rag at him. I love car insurance. It's like, Jesus, Vigo, when he punches him again. Yeah. Like, he tries to leave. He's like, no, no, you stay right there. You stay. <laughs> I like when you talk. Vigo, English, just stay the fuck right there. How does an advisor to a powerful Russian crime boss not speak Russian? Oh, yeah, dude. I've, I've asked that as much as I'm like, why don't you know Russian, dude? You'd think that would be like kind of the only, like one of the few things they'd be very adamant about. Like, don't be a cop and know how to speak the language. Yeah. <laughs> It, yeah, no, this, oh, God, this scene. It, and it has so many, some of the best fucking lines from the movie. I know we've said a lot, but, like, yeah, just the, and I love when the son's like, it's just, it's, he thinks it's about the fucking deal he just went to go do and whatever in town. And he's like, this isn't about that, what you, the business you did, son. It's about what you just did or what you're about to do or whatever the fuck he said. It isn't, oh, isn't it, it isn't what you've done that angers me so. It's who you've done it to. He's like, yes. what, the yeah. fucking nobody? He's like, that fucking nobody, nobody. is John Wick. <laughs> and just from there, we get the cut scene to John opening the basement door, and he's sh- you know shrouded in darkness like the fucking boogeyman. It's it's done so well. It's such a great, just, you know, well-cut-together scene. So I love as he's explaining, you start seeing it dawn on his son's face what the fuck he just did. <laughs> like even he's like, oh no. But no, even no, after no. all of that, he's like, I can make this right. Like I'm gonna finish what I started. And he was like, did he? Was he even fucking listening to me? <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing you can do to fix this. John is a man of focus, commitment. <laughs> Sheer will. Things you are not. <laughs> yeah, I love that. He's like, you're, you can't even. You are so far removed from this man. Yeah, I love. I do, I like he takes that. a moment to insult his dipshit son. I love that. Yeah, I do love that. Lord Eagles, things you are not, son. And I'm like, oh man, he just insulted him in this. <laughs> oh, fantastic! That was great. I loved. Yeah, love giving awards to John Wick. Uh, let's see what some other people have to say. Let's go take a look at what's in the box. What's in the fucking box? A lot of love for John Wick on Letterboxd. I'll say there's gonna be some fucking contrarians in here, aren't there? Um, I grabbed only positive reviews. Oh, thank God! I was like, don't we can't. I can't read negatives on this. I can't. I couldn't find. I guess it's a 3.8 out of five, which tells me there's somebody on there who doesn't like this, but I couldn't find any. Everyone was like, this is great. I know one guy at work who claims he doesn't like it because it, it's so unrealistic, but he talked kindly about Fast and Furious, and I was like, all right, I'm done with this conversation. So a GT 
can totally destroy a tank, but an assassin revenging his dog, that's too much. Yes. Okay. I'd love to hear what else this guy has trouble with <laughs> other films he finds unrealistic. Uh, this first one's from John, not John Wick. Maybe. maybe I don't know. <laughs> John Wick is commenting on his own movie. <laughs> my primitive animal brain told me this was super fucking awesome and badass, while my critical and analytical brains told me the same exact thing. Four stars. <laughs> <laughs> The lizard brain and the analytical brain are both put that movie on. <laughs> put it on, watch it, enjoy it. Exactly. This next one's from Sophie. Perfectly reasonable and valid reaction to the murder of a puppy. You will live forever in my heart, Daisy. Three and a half stars. Yeah, you kill somebody's dog, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I said, I love my dog highly, so... Try to fuck with my dog. Watch what happens. <laughs> this next one's from uh, Danush. Willem Dafoe went from being Willem Friend to being Willem Dafoe and then back to Willem Friend again. Great fucking character arc is all I'm saying. Four stars. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Willem Friend. <laughs> oh, God. Good stuff. Next, we got Dan McCoy. This is why I never became a Russian mobster. Four stars. <laughs> this. He doesn't want to upset the Baba Yaga. Nope, I get that. Yeah, you watch this, you're thinking about, I don't know, applying or however the hell you join the mob, and you're like, no, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> it's not worth it. No, not the guy you send to kill the boogeyman. God, sorry, it's not a great line of dialogue there. Ah, uh, and this last one's from Felipe. This could have so easily been a lazy Taken ripoff. It could have easily been another flop in Keanu Reeves' then steadily declining career. Now every action movie wants to be like John Wick. And thank God, because as much as I love the Bourne movies, it was extremely painful to watch every action film try and fail to be like them. Incredible action, fascinating world building, and Keanu Reeves at his best. I want to inject the red circle nightclub scene straight into my veins. Four and a half stars. God damn that's right. a, Yeah, that's well said. That's well yeah. said. There are so many ways this could have gone off the rails. Studio interference or like, no, it's got to be more like Taken. Or maybe Keanu's not that invested. Maybe, you know, they decide, maybe Air Miles guy decides not to put it on his credit card. So many things could have gone wrong, but everything that could have gone right did. And we yeah. got John Wick. We got John Wick. We now have what is considered like one of the greatest action movie franchises of all time. A film that's redefined action cinema in the the best way possible. Because I could, I don't think I could live in a world where we just in America only believe in cut, 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 cut constantly during the action scene. And finally, got scenes that are like, no, let's see these guys fight. Like that's the point of the action. We need, we want to see them fight. Um, want to see the punches land. Yeah. So. Show it to me. Um, so yeah, thank thank God, because God, I, I can't I can't imagine a word without this in my life. Same. This was a blast. This was really fun. So let's finish this off by ranking these fuckers worst to best, worst being very subjective here. Uh John Wick one, two, three, and four. What are you ranking? Yeah, this was tough because this is a list that there is no worst. They are all really, really good. Yes. Um. 
So I had a tough time. Actually, my first two for I had pretty down. I was like, okay, yeah, these two. And then it was four and three where I was just sitting there going, like, where the, how am I what am I gonna put for these two spots? But I figured it out. Number four, and again, like you said, very subjective. Like I'll put it like this John Wick one's a perfect 10 out of 10 film. Every other sequel, every single sequel is a nine. All right. There's not a single film for me that dips below that at all. Um, so on that note, with that said, for four, I did put John Wick Chapter 2. Again, fucking for a film that I think, like you said, Colstead and the, they had probably no intentions at the time of like a sequel. So the fact that they were able to make something that flows seamlessly into this, expands the world, ups the fucking action to an exponential degree, bravo. Like, it, they honestly, it's its own little, like, what you know, luck story we could talk about with John Wick Chapter 2 alone. And that had, usually it's, oh, we didn't need a sequel, and then we get something that clearly wasn't planned, and it, it shows. But this was, like, wasn't planned and doesn't show. It's it's amazing how they pulled that off for John Wick Chapter 2. Um, So that's number four. Number three, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Um, Again, great world building, great characters, great fucking action. Now let's board great action. Um, Number two, I put the new kid on the block. John Wick, Chapter 4. This really, I agree with a lot of people, and I think this has some of the best characters in the series, some of the best action in the series. It does such a great job of... um, being its own sort of conclusion in a way to the uh, the current run of films, and the the influences I we didn't even talk about that that quite a, uh, too much. The influences from other like from Asian cinema and international cinema in general in general with these sequels is on such good display. And getting someone like Donnie Yen, who was a fucking standout in Chapter Four, holy shit! Seeing Donnie Yen do his shit was amazing. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, don't let that almost fear runtime, you know, scare you. You don't feel it. I promise you do not feel it. Fucking great, great movie. So John Wick Chapter 4, number two. Then number one, even though obviously it seems tame in comparison to its sequels now, but just because we talked about it being like this surprise, it came out of nowhere, wasn't expected to be this good. And it still holds a very special place in my heart. Number one, the original John Wick. Well said, well argued. Um, yeah, it's hard to you know they're all so so great. There is no uh, there's no bad piece of this franchise. It's all great. Um, so I had to get really petty with where I put my rankings here. Uh, number four is John Wick Chapter Three Parabellum for the sole reason that they decided to add the subtitle Parabellum. To the title. We don't need that. It was weird because they didn't do it with chapter four or two. So it was like, it's the only one that has it now. I don't like that. It stands out and it's weird and it's hard to write the entire title on a single like line of whatever. So it's petty as hell. It's got nothing to do with the movie, but my (laughs) number four is John Wick 3. Parabellum. (laughs) Okay. And also, I think at the time, I was expecting that to be the finale. So when it wasn't, I was like, huh, weird. There was the marketing from them has been kind of weird with these later sequels in that they did kind of give off the hint that third third one's going to be the final one. 
And then when, when the way it ended, I was like, oh, I guess not. Because I went in also going like, okay, this is it. Like This is the last one in the trilogy. But then they leave it open for what we got with Chapter 4. But then, really enough, with Chapter... They, you know, without spoiling anything that happens in the film, they originally want to do a Chapter 4 and a Chapter 5. And they haven't completely ruled out Chapter 5, but then Chapter 4 actually feels like a conclusion. That's where I'm like then why even do five just stick with the spinoffs like if you want to do spinoffs i'm cool with that like i said i'm I'm more down for the battle arena spinoff and on the armors kicking ass like after seeing no time die yeah give me more on the armors kicking ass i'm down with that um so it's just it's been weird marketing like third one they marked it as the last one but it wasn't and then this fourth one they marked it as a continuing chapter but it feels like the last one and it you know wrapping up the storylines yeah yeah, it's weird. I don't know what they're doing there. Um, number three is John Wick Chapter Four. It's awesome. It's it's long, but the pace does like you don't feel it. It's very well paced. Um, I feel like there was a couple long term like teases that didn't get paid off, which was weird. Like there was the you know the Aurelia with the car, and then also Winston with the marker. Winston with the marker. Remember at the end of two, Winston gives John a marker. Oh yeah, yeah. Am I, I blind? Never, I like, did they ever address that again? Only they really talked about it. No. Ah, yeah, but um, it's really cool. It's got some great scenes, great sequences, great story, great character building, and uh, it's just awesome. Uh, number two is is number two, chapter two. I love the character of Santino D'Antonio and how massive a piece of shit he is just the weaselly little bastard and what he how he you know manipulates the continental to be his like safe haven and all that i love franco nero being the manager of the rome continental and he asks john like are you here for the pope i love that line uh yeah two is two is a fun fun movie and then of course number one is the, the original john wick nothing's topping that like you said i was just surprised it's the Less is more. It's a very self-contained story and endlessly rewatchable. Yeah. So there you have it. It's our rankings of the John Wick franchise. Yeah. Uh, a franchise that to me just has not had a single weak link. Now, you know, obviously jury's out with these spinoffs coming out, but hey, you know what? If a spinoff's weak, whatever. The main franchise has stayed strong. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, well, that was a blast. Yeah, this was fun. Oh, yeah. I've been dying to talk about John Wick on the podcast. I'm so glad this. I've been well. I mean, I've been dying to watch the fourth one after it got delayed like a whole year. So, like, thank God here we are finally. Because God, I was texting people as I was watching it, and just being like, God, I love this movie so much. Like, <laughs> me too, man. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you like the show, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or send us a message through the socials. Check out our letterbox accounts for daily reviews. You can search me at Connor95, and in my friends list, you can find the rest of the team. Check out our website, filmgasm.com, where I have a link to that letterbox if you want to read the reviews. And you can also find articles, trailers of upcoming films in every episode of our show. If you'd like to become a monthly donor to Filmgasm Productions, feel free to click on the link in the episode description. From there, click on support this podcast. You can choose to donate a dollar a month if you like us, $5 a month if you love us, or $10 a month if you can't live without us. 
All donations go right back into the podcast, and we appreciate any donations you think we might deserve. Thanks to the entire Filmgasm team for their constant friendship and contributions to the show. Caleb Leger, Austin Johnson, Josh Allred, Colton Jenkins, Christian Aguilar, Isabel Gonzalez, Jeremy Johnson, Adam Johnson, and Mija Pierce-Lewis. Thanks to Cooley Cow for our awesome theme music, and thanks to you for checking out our show. Don't break into anyone's house, kill their dog, and steal their car, because you never know what they used to do for a living. Take it easy, keep watching movies, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.